0: Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights.
1: Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It is good to be with you again. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please also go to our website for more information about our work. That website is johnwarrenmedia.com. You can send along a comment there on our contact form. I respond to all of those. And you can also send an email directly to me at John at Johnwarrenmedia.com. It is so encouraging to hear from so many of you. Uh, the podcast has grown. Um, I can't really explain the interest in it, but I'm grateful for it. We've uh, We've built a, a a bit of a relentless truth family, and I'm thankful that you take time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast. and we're able to do it with no funding with with no, external funding other than our own and i'm grateful for that as well no sponsorship although our numbers are good and uh, i'm uh, pleased we 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 now we're now on youtube such as it is we we just have audio episodes that our friends at headliner help us with and they uh, they put them on uh, the youtube channel uh, john warren media so hope you'll find us there and subscribe subscribe wherever you get your podcast we should be available at all of the typical outlets for uh, or platforms for podcasting Speaking of being grateful for you I want to share something that just occurs to me and and I'm I'm going to talk next week about the item the news the world the the things that are are happening in the world, uh, both economically and otherwise, and I know that can be discouraging to say the least. and And so today, I I, I want to in, encourage us with some truths that are maybe obvious to most of us, but worth worth sharing. and And there's there's a little bit of uh, nuance here. Uh, in in some of the biblical truths that encourage us. And if you say, well, I, I don't know anything at all about the Bible or care about that, I would just challenge you to stay with me for a few minutes of this uh, podcast episode because it's it's really quite cool. It's, it's, it's actually this particular truth that I want to talk about today has to do with how we're supposed to live. One argument you might make is that the church, in your experience, might not have been a pleasant place. And and that's shameful to hear. It happens a lot though. The Apostle Paul gives us instructions in various of his epistles about how the church is to function. And sometimes he talks about it, and, and we, we miss this nuance where he says, brethren or brothers, He's talking about believers, people inside the church and the way we treat each other. And I'm going to try to to touch on that today as we 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 talk about a particular topic. One thing that we've talked about before here is Paul's epistle to the Romans and the way he he talks in Romans 12. He gives us some instructions, but there's there's something that, that I, I want to just mention to you uh, that, that starts in verse 9 of chapter 12 of Romans. Uh, let this encourage you. Um, I, that is my, my hope in, in having this discussion. It says in verse 9 of chapter 12, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. So Paul is giving instructions to people in the church. He uses the word agape in this in this verse and you know what that word means. That is a very strong form of love. That is loving without reciprocity, that is without reservation. It's the not not making your love contingent on anything. That's a difficult kind of love to do, but Paul is commanding us to let our love be genuine, and he uses that word agape. And he and he's saying, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And then he says in verse ten, and this this we could we could easily miss this. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. So he uses the word love two times in two verses. The second time, he's talking about phileo, or, or, or the word we we translate Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. So the first time it's agape, loving in a big way without reciprocity. And the second time it's brotherly love, kinship love. Love love each other with brotherly affection. And then he says, outdo one another in showing honor. And I thought about something, you know, and this is trivial, and I I I know you don't probably even notice this, but I've noticed the the common courtesy uh, decorum uh, i'm i'm not talking about being old and old school or, or though, although although there, there might be some of that in here uh, but i but i i had a a procedure yesterday a medical test that is rather unpleasant i've told you before about my colon cancer experience so you can imagine what that was yes it was a colonoscopy and you have to arrive at o oh, dark 30 it, it it's a it's an outpatient center attached to the Center for Digestive Health. I got a shout out to Dr. Mayoral who who does that procedure, and Dr. Ruderman, who was my gastroenterologist before he retired a few years ago. Those two guys are are incredible in so many respects, and I mean that they are they are sweet, kind people. They're very they're eminently qualified and experienced and seasoned and experts at what they do, but. Dr. Mayoral and I, uh, you know, he knows that 19 years ago, I awakened from one of these things to the news that I had a golf ball-sized tumor in my sigmoid colon. So he's particularly gracious, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is nobody in that waiting area is glad to be there. And everybody in that waiting area has been fasting for at least 24 hours and has taken laxative, uh, to, to say it bluntly, to cleanse their colon everybody's uh hungry dehydrated because you can't you can't have uh, liquids after midnight the night the day before i mean it's fine and everybody's you know okay but it, it's it's unpleasant you get cramps during the night and uh, by the way if you've not had a colonoscopy and you're over 40 and yes yes that i don't give medical advice but i'm, I'm meddling a little uh then, then go schedule one but uh, insurance sometimes pays for them, sometimes doesn't at that age. I think they've started paying now at 45. They should pay at about 30, but just the procedure itself is nothing. Uh, For you men, uh, guys, the the digital exam your doctor does of your prostate is far worse, far more intrusive, far more uncomfortable than an actual colonoscopy. The pain of a colonoscopy is the day before Anyway, everybody gets there early in the morning if you have an early appointment, and I certainly would advise you to do that. We our this center for digestive health is clear across town from us. It's a and and no traffic early in the morning. It's a thirty five minute drive. It could be an hour long drive during rush hour, but this wasn't rush hour, ladies and gentlemen. This was <laughs> this was five a.m. and we ha- you have to be there an hour before the pr- uh, procedure to to sign up and. Uh, put on the hospital gown and get in, get on the, on the little, uh, mobile bed gurney, I guess it's called. Uh, and, and, you, and they kind of cue everybody up in these little bays. And if you've done this, you know, you know how, how dedicated these professionals are to, um, making this a, a relatively decent experience. Um, they're, they're just good at it at the center for digestive health in Orlando, Florida. I'm telling you right now, they, they, they they are amazing and and they they give you propofol which is the drug that Michael Jackson abused and died um and that that is maybe the the best nap and uh anyway uh everybody arrives it's it's an it's a little unpleasant and and there's this thing that happens where you know the workers are just arriving at that awful hour i think we got there at like 5:45 and and there were some people waiting outside and Everybody's kind of clamoring for the door because you, you know, you, you want to get in and out of there quickly. And the reason people get those early appointments is so that they won't won't be um, backed up during the day. No pun intended, because of you know sometimes they get behind. <laughs> Again, no pun intended. But scheduling is interesting at one of those centers because those people are trying to process people as quickly as possible. And and sometimes things happen if you have a later appointment. I don't know how late they go during the day, but they. They they do many many of these tens if not hundreds in a single day, and and it, it's quite an opera. It's an impressive operation. the The nurses, the nurse anesthetists, uh, uh, the uh, anesthesiologist who works there, the technicians, all everybody is just uh, the, the best, and 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 I I mean it in the technical and um, and as a, as a human, as, as a, as in terms of their kindness. um, And, and so anyway, you get there and, and there's a, there's a little bit of a, a rush for the door when it unlocks. If you're there for that early appointment, you know, you're parking in a a, a very dark parking lot and it's, it's well-equipped. Uh, the facility is, and they've got these two big doors and, and they, they go out of the way to, to, to kind of question everybody. Uh, I well, to still do some COVID screening and, and they screen for everything else, you know. Did you do the right thing from a prep standpoint? They don't want you to have a reaction to anesthesia and all the rest. And but on the way in the door, when the when the person comes and unlocks the door, it's kind of interesting. And I, I sort of held the door for a couple of people. And 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 that's not to say I'm I'm this incredibly cordial guy. I was cramping and starving like everybody else, or hungry like everybody else was. And you got a little bit of a dull headache because you can't take anything that morning. And, and a guy looked at me like, I can't believe you're doing this for me. You know, why aren't you butting ahead? And I, and I thought, you know, I've just been studying this passage cause I'm teaching uh, some classes at my church right now. And, and I, I had just talked about this section and that that I just read from in Romans 12. And I thought, you know, this is nothing. This is holding a door. It's kind of, I mean, it, it, everybody can do that, but, outdo one another in showing honor is 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 quite a standard quite an imperative from paul isn't it I mean have a have a contest to outdo see see who can outdo the other person in showing each other honor I mean that that's that's got the feel of an oxymoron right away doesn't it outdo and showing honor have a contest to see who can be more more humble more more gracious more Dare I say, sensitive to the needs of each other, and I—I I, I don't know whether you've experienced this or not. I'm—I'm going to go out on a limb and say, just about everybody listening to this podcast has experienced this, and that is when you do that. And I'm not talking about me holding the door at the gastroenterology clinic uh, outpatient center yesterday. I'm—I'm I'm talking just in general when we when we really try hard to meet the needs of others ahead of our own in the agape way with brotherly brotherly affection, as Paul describes it here, it is just the best feeling. It is just the lane we're supposed to be in. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, how much money you have, how much you think of yourself, how big a hurry you're in, how important your schedule is, how jammed you are. And and I've had a day to day. Well, this this day I'm recording this on that it, it was just packed, and and one of my former students just made me feel so stupid trying to help me with something technical, and and I'm trying to learn how to use a MacBook Pro. Those of you who are PC people, you can relate to that, I would imagine. But but if you just stop, even on those days, where it's just back to back to back to back all day long. And, and, and you look up and say, look, I'm trying to be three people today. And if you'll just stop and and you don't have to slow down much and just be kind and realize we are to outdo one another in showing honor. I mean, that, that standard is incredible, isn't it? And, and I, I think you know there there's something else that i that i just want to mention and this this is like a lot of my thoughts so far a, a, a slightly tangential at the end of this chapter chapter 12 of romans there's another thing uh to, it's it's another verse uh, verse 20 it, it talks about vengeance and avenging yourself and don't do that is basically what paul says a vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord and Paul says, to the contrary, in verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Now, he's talking about your enemy. He's talking about real enemies. Paul, The apostle Paul had enemies his entire life. He was pursued aggressively. If you think about it, the road to Damascus conversion experience that he has from that point forward, he had a couple years of, of studying and growing and learning, and then from that point forward, when his ministry started, his earthly ministry started, he was aggressively pursued. He, he, not, not by First Amendment picket sign protesters, but people with rocks trying to kill him. And he was dragged before the civil authorities all the time. And he talks about your enemies. And when he says enemies, he means people physically opposing. He means something we don't often encounter. Thank God we don't often encounter it in, in this country. And he, and he says so so he's, so he said all the stuff about the the love being genuine, abhorring what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another, with, hum, with brotherly affection, outdo each other and showing honor. And then he, then he transitions to your enemies. And he says, do this with your enemies. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Meet the physical needs. Remember Maslow's hierarchy? if if you encounter people who who the lower rung of the hierarchy the bottom of the pyramid those those needs aren't being met meet them even if they're your enemy maybe even especially if they're your enemy because listen to what he says for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head do not over, to be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good so paul's not saying He's not all of a sudden having this fleshly moment where he says it'll be like punching them in the mouth so do good for them no this is this is a tradition that a a, a kind of a, a proverbial thing that goes back a, a a long way to the neighbor who runs out of fire and he and he has to go to to his neighbor and and he gets coals and and from the neighbor and you know there's embarrassment associated with this and and you put them on a, a tin and, and put it on your your head, uh, and the reason you do that is so that it gets air. And you heap it so that the the coals inside stay stay hot, so you can get home and and rekindle your fire. And, and in other words, Paul is saying you you might bring this person to repentance. You might you God might use you if you feed and and give drink to those who are hungry and thirsty, who are your enemies. God might use that to bring them to repentance. Well, what I really wanted to talk about today is is kind of the rest of the story, which is which is this. But Paul advocates for, and he, he does this in a bunch of his epistles, bunch a lot of his writing, uh, living a humble and sensitive life, and and nowhere is this clearer to me then that section that follows the verses we just read in Romans 13, where he talks about the government. And again, I know if you've been with me all along, you've heard me talk about this this section. Paul pivots to say, let everyone, in in verse uh, 1 of chapter 13, let everyone, every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists, what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. And he goes on and, and he, he really is teaching humility. And I've been thinking lately, why does Paul do this? Why does he have this parenthetical seven verses? He says in the last part of it, he says, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Paul's talking about the government here and and he's not talking about the government. If, if you're a, if you're a Republican and there's a Republican in office in the United States and, and Republicans have control of the Congress and, and the judge you saw is a Republican. No, he's, he's not, he's not talking about your political party or, or, or anything of the sort. He's talking about government and he's saying God controls government and we are to humble ourselves submitting to the governing authorities. Now notice I want to say something that might be controversial. He does not say obey. That biblical word that is the word that's translated obey is often this you know take counsel from learn from we government is not your mother our mother. Government is not a a a, a preacher, a, a pastor, a counselor to us. no we're we're to submit to governing authority you know that that word has the idea of just coming under ranking them ahead of us, obeying law is what, what this is talking about. And sometimes I'll have students who'll say, well, what about, you know, North Korea? And my answer is, well, well, that'd be awful. But I think what Paul is saying here is that, is that we're to submit to all all, God ordains government. God creates, yes, imperfect government created by slave owners in our case. Yes. Some. Yes. That's true. But God ordained, you know, you're, if we have a high view of God and we go back to creation and we think about this, this subduing the earth, this mandate, the creation mandate that God gave us, then, then yes, that he has ordained governments to keep order. And we've talked many times on this podcast about the liberty paradox. We have to give up some liberty to have liberty. There's a, there's a certain amount of us having to decide that we will honor our government, that government functions at the consent of the governed, that we will give our consent to the elected government of the United States. But my point today isn't to talk about government necessarily. It's to talk about our coming under, our being humble to. Paul's not going to apply this. Bill Gothard got it wrong. That guy I respected so much as a kid who did this basic youth institute of basic youth conflicts. Bill Gothard got it wrong. We don't come under all authority quite the way he taught it, but, but there is this sensitivity and humility that we're supposed to have specifically to government. So the, why in the world does Paul address this at this point? And and I want to talk about just a couple of things. And and I I've got we've got some more application here when we're when we're done with that. Remember what Paul said back in Romans twelve one and two. Of course you do because just about everybody I know, every Christian I know, has memorized these verses. Those of you who weren't raised in the church or don't know about these verses, that isn't intended to insult you. It really insults the rest of us a bit because. We know these verses, but we don't know what they mean sometimes. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2 of chapter 12 of Romans says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And he goes on. But I think maybe we can't know this. We don't have the mind of Paul, but do, do you think maybe in chapter 13, he's just clarifying what he meant by do not be conformed to this world. What, what he, what he really means that word conformed is kind of uh, conformed to the pattern of like a tracing of a pattern. Don't, don't, don't live like the world lives. Don't think like the world thinks he's going to go on to talk about the renewing by the renewing of your mind. And, and so he's, he's really talking about an ideological thing. He's talking about lifestyle as well, but he's not saying Forsake all, all human institutions, including government. And so I think maybe one of the reasons after he gets through with all these gets past these instructions that he gives for the rest of chapter 12, maybe one of the reasons he talks about government here is just to make clear that he's not saying disregard government when he said, don't be conformed to this world. He doesn't mean be, be an anarchist against all man-made institutions that as Christians, that's not who we are to be, and Paul proves it here in chapter thirteen. And he goes on, uh, you know, and he and he talks about taxes and and all the rest. And you know, there there is a kind of government that we would oppose, which is a government that requires us to violate the will of God, the stated will of God in Scripture, for example. Th- these people who wake up one day and say, you know, God told me to rebel somehow against government, no. God didn't tell you that God God told you in His holy inspired word to come under, to be subject to governing authorities and and i I think we have to be sure that we aren't that that we're talking about the essentials of the faith when we talk about this. God ordained government. God ordained the United States government. That's the one that's most important to me. Uh, does he ordain bad governments sometimes? I you know, I'm not suggesting he condones sin, but but yes, I believe in in his grace, his common grace, in his sovereignty, he has ordained government. And I don't want to talk about the obscure case, the North Korea or the Iranian government, evil dictators. I, I, God doesn't author evil. I didn't say that, but but he does ordain government. And in our case, I think these guidelines are pretty clear. But the lesson that we're to learn here is is this this notion I just I read those verses in chapter twelve, this loving with agape and and brotherly love it is that we are to be humble and and to outdo each other, as Paul said, in showing each other kindness there's there's this there's this attitude that we're to have where we are. To be incredibly sensitive to each other. There's this verse that gets abused. Uh, no offense to Dave Ramsey, but it does. Uh, chapter uh, thirteen, verse eight. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Well, that's that's not talking about debt. That's talking about living a lifestyle where you are indebted to love each other. Don't don't owe anyone. That you you already owe them loving each other for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And then he goes on to talk about urgency. So there's, you know, it's so important. This podcast is not named Relentless Love. It's named Relentless Truth for a reason because in our society today, our our world today has embraced postmodernism, which a lot of times ignores truth, thinks that truth is subjective and and that everybody has a meta-narrative and meta-narratives are harmful. This grand story that you believe uh, based on how you were raised, and you can have your truth and I can have my truth. No, There is absolute truth and it is contained in scripture. And I say that in a loving, caring way, because it's important to know that. However, if I don't deliver that message in love, if I'm not loving, even as I talk about these things, I'm violating the very scripture I claim to, to, to advocate for, I claim to know and, and share with you. And with others in classes that I teach. So it's important for us to prioritize love. Love and truth are not on opposite ends of a spectrum, a continuum. As I move toward love or truth, I don't have to move away from the other one. I don't have to move away from from love as I move toward truth. Just like we've said about faith and reason love and truth go together. God is love. God invented, created love. He is loving. His essence is loving. Does that mean he doesn't have standards? Nope. Those standards are loving. <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of cool when you grasp it, that, that yes, God is love. The law is loving the mosaic law is loving it points to the cross the cross of jesus christ as cruel as it is as horrific as it is in this time of year we think about this we've been thinking about this i get it but but it, it it he personifies love and sits at the right hand of the father making intercession for us now in love his his birth was a loving event, his incarnation loving, his sinless life loving, the cross fully loving, his burial and resurrection loving for us. So we then, Paul transitions and he starts talking about really how we are to live and he goes through this thing with the strong and the weak that I find very interesting, strong people and weak people and you know, we all like to think we're the we're the strong people. Well, well, the strong people in this case don't abstain from eating meat from idols. He mentions drinking wine and and yet he says that the strong and weak need to get along together. Paul must have known about some conflict in the Roman Church, or in, certainly in the first century church. He knew about a lot of conflicts. He had been dragged before the magistrates several times for just propagating religion, Christianity. So, Paul is teaching this doctrine of humility and sensitivity to each other and he says he says we should bear with each other and 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 we should we we should welcome the weak we should be welcoming to the weak and and the weak are really the people who think that certain things are taboo or taboos that that they're 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 not permitted and oh i know lots of people say well i don't believe that and then and then people do this ritualistic stuff where you believe that because something good happened when I wore this suit or when I did this or said that, or my routine can't be broken because then something bad will happen. We, I mean, we almost embrace karma, don't we? Sometimes. But but Paul is Paul is saying that we're supposed to be loving, sensitive, and accepting of each other. Now he's talking about people inside the church now. He uses the term brothers or brethren a couple of times here, so he's not talking about when when he talks about these people who have these rules, these extra rules, or maybe even he could be talking to, with the week. He he he. Most commentators think he could be talking about the Jewish people who still held on to the Sabbath. Uh, they consider some foods better than others, or or some days more important than others, and and he, and he's really saying. He, he really gets to this point for, for to this end, he says in verse nine of chapter 13, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment or why do you despise your brother for he will, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And he goes on. So there's this beautiful doctrine here that says we should defer to each other and sometimes we start to worship truth so much and 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 it's good you know again don't have to give up truth can hold to truth but this is talking about people who don't quite understand the truth fully and they still have these things that they do and he's saying don't grieve them with your liberty and folks who are weak don't grieve the strong with your requirements stop trying to manage each other you're, you're, the, you're the son, you're the slave of another. God is in charge, not you. And so, whoever serve, thus serves Christ, he says in verse 18, is acceptable to God and approved by men, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. You don't have to win every argument, especially reform folks. Not everyone is going to agree with you on everything. You might be right on most things, but don't separate. Don't be unloving. Don't cause other people to stumble. Don't have a little club with little conferences and, and and refuse to let other people in. If they're brothers in Christ, if they believe in the essentials and they're born again, they've trusted Christ and they disagree with you about eschatology or the even the order of salvation. That, that, if, it's, if it's not an absolute essential, Welcome the weak," he says here. And I know I'm offending some people by talking this way. That doesn't mean compromise truth. It's possible to hold to truth and still welcome people who don't quite see it the way you do. I'm not talking about compromising the gospel, the deity of Christ, the inerrancy of script. I'm not talking about those things. Andy Stanley should be ashamed of himself for some of the things he says about scripture. If you don't have scripture, you don't have the God of scripture. You don't have the gospel of scripture, but, but we've got to be loving and sensitive to each other and humble. Paul says, get along in community. He says in chapter 15, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Sometimes we get so self-righteous we want to please ourselves and, and castigate and condemn the weak. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him, build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the judgment of the scriptures, we might have hope, that is joyful expectation. May the God of endurance and encouragement Grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ. Model what he did, Paul says, what Jesus Christ did, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome people who are weak and haven't learned and don't know what you know. The word of God is powerful. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. And it's also the means by which we live. God's means of grace is scripture, prayer, and the sacraments are those things. And and you understand that. So it's important for us not to get in the way of loving each other of of receiving each other well in love and with sensitivity and humility so that we glorify God together. I've often said God is far more gracious than we believe him to be. God is far more gracious than we would be. God's far more gracious than we are with each other. Paul is just saying, extend the grace of God that you've been given other people and and please do not think for a second that i'm saying just ignore truth i'm not just stop fighting over it especially non-essentials welcome the weaker brother i thought years ago that when my daughter said you know i might be a vegan or a vegetarian or whatever it is and 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 she kind of got past that i mean she's a very healthy eater thankfully but and and we are too in my house but you know this whole notion of being a vegan or vegetarian. I thought, you know, she'll grow out of it. And, you know, I, I, frankly thought, well, that's so silly. And now Paul, Paul is saying, be respectful of each other with those things. He's talking about something much more powerful. He, the real point he's making with the meat offered to idols is idols aren't real and you can eat that meat. But if it, but if it bothers your conscience, and this is a whole, this is a whole additional thing we could talk about someday your conscience is important and 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 your faith is important live according to your faith and according to your conscience and he's not saying do wrong violate god's law as long as your conscience doesn't ping no because he's already talked about the fact that we we have hard hearts because of our sin so so he's not saying that but what he is saying is that some people have their conscience is just different, and it might be malformed. It might be malinformed, and they might have to restrict their lifestyle differently than you do. There are Christian schools, Christian colleges, Christian groups, Christian day schools, K through twelve, pre K through twelve schools that that have very, very, in some cases, strict standards. And we're not to mock them. We're 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 to come alongside them. We're to love them. We're to include them, we're to welcome them, but Paul's really talking about this on an individual basis. I think all of this comes from this discussion of government this of submitting to authority and i i I think we're stretching scripture when we apply the words Paul said here in in chapter thirteen to uh to all sit, you know to work to sports teams to but but there is a principle of Deferring to each other and respecting authority in Scripture, and and I I I think that's generally what Paul is is thinking of here. This sensitivity to each other. This it's so much more than holding the door for each other, but it's deferring to each other, preferring each other ahead and our int- the interest of our brother and sister ahead of our own. Imagine if we did that in the church. It, we, we would. We shouldn't do it for this reason, but we would reduce the argument, oh, I've been to church and those people aren't nice. We, we would eliminate that argument altogether, wouldn't we? If the world could see us loving each other well in the church, what a great testimony that would be. What a happier life that would be. What a, what a worshipful environment that would be. That's the objective is sensitivity, humility, and love, uh, love of all types but especially agape and this Philadelphia, this brotherly love. That is how we are to live. It's a priority. It's, it's actually, if you, if you read this passage carefully, it's as important as, as, as truth itself. It is a truth that we are to love this way. Paul is assuming there will be weak people. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he writes this, It became part of the canon of scripture. So Paul is assuming that there will will be the weak. And at this particular writing to this particular church, that is probably the Jewish people and a very small minority of of Gentiles who held the standards that might have come from the Mosaic law or might have come from their own list of taboos or things the way they were raised. You probably have met people like this. And sometimes those people get mocked, and we shouldn't do that. we should we should love. We should be sensitive and love. So yes, proclaim truth, but let's love our brother. Let be encouraged. I, so many of you do this so well. So many people in our local area here and even beyond who are regular listeners, love me well with an encouraging word uh, from this podcast. I am grateful for you. Thank you for listening. When you send an email, there's a guy from Australia who who has sent one who just encouraged me so much. When I get correspondence from around the globe or even if it's right next door, it is it is just so encouraging. We are in a position. We are in a powerful position of loving, being able to love each other well and to build each other up and that's what Paul is suggesting is is giving us an imperative here to do well thank you for um, being here again this week for your support of relentless truth Uh, please like share review and subscribe to relentless truth Uh, share our youtube page if you would it's under the name john warren media it's easy to find it pops right up it's populated with lots of audio podcasts we've got video coming soon and i'm excited about that we have some subscribers already who've kind of queued up without any promotion or anything. And so good to see all of you there. And uh, please uh, uh, like share and uh, review our, our, our work on social media. Uh, go to the website for more information. You can contact me using our contact form. The website is johnwarrenmedia.com. My email address is john at john I look forward to being with you again next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of of Relentless Truth with John Warren.